the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So what comes after jumping the shark? Because the uh, transgender movement jumped the shark a while ago when a man who had decided to be a woman about 20 minutes earlier was named the first female admiral by Health and Human Services. That would be Dr. Rachel Levine, uh, you know, the person we refer to around here as Aunt Rachel. He's a man pretending to be a woman. He now serves as the highest-ranking official in the USPHS-commissioned Corps and is its first-ever female four-star admiral. So, a man who grew his hair really long and put on a dress is now the first female admiral, which means an actual woman can't be the first female admiral. And here's what the admiral said recently about allowing guys like him to compete against actual females in sports. So we really want to, 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 to base our treatment and, uh, and to uh, affirm and to uh, support and empower these youth not to limit their participation in activities and sports and even uh, uh, limit their ability to get gender affirmation treatment in their state. Of course we do, which is nice because uh, here's where the next step after jumping the shark comes in. Uh, you've probably heard by now that Leah Thomas, a guy who used to be known as Will, uh, he's been nominated by the University of Pennsylvania, an Ivy League school, no less. He's been nominated uh, as NCAA Woman of the Year after doing really well swimming against actual women this past year. This, of course, means that a real woman won't be nominated by Penn this year. The shark has jumped the shark, I guess. Meanwhile, there are some really smart people who say that if archaeologists, you, you got to get ready for this, that, that if archaeologists discover really old skeletons, they should no longer make a distinction between males and females because they don't think sex should be determined by the skeleton that was assigned at birth to this person. Because, you know, they might have identified as something else. And I'm not kidding. Anyway, when we come back, I'm going to talk to an anthropologist who will make fun of all of this and then in our second half hour, why we should all go to school on Sri Lanka. Stick around. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college, learn new instruments, start skateboarding. Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. With aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a three-minute chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach from AARP. You'll get personalized recommendations based on your input that are easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Woohoo! Snarly move, Dad. Thanks, sweetie. 
So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call Select Quote at 1 800 690 4040. That's 1 800 690 4040. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1 800 690 4040. That's 1 800 690 4040. Select Quote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your spouse has said your marriage is over and they're ready to walk out the door. So where does that leave you? Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam. We've helped thousands of couples in this exact situation. We want to share with you the things you can do right now to start turning this crisis around. If you're somebody who's lying in bed sobbing yourself to sleep because your husband has left you or walked out on you or your wife has left you and you think, oh, well, this is it now, it's not it. There is hope. We're going to teach you the three things you need to start doing immediately to get your spouse back. If your marriage is in crisis, you're not going to want to miss this special Save My Marriage event happening on lovestories.com. So sign up today. Visit lovestories.com for the free Save My Marriage mini course happening now on lovestories.com. That's lovestories.com. Check out lovestories.com. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, just when you think the transgender movement can't get any more ridiculous, somebody, unfortunately, usually on a college campus, jumps up and fools you. Um, we told you in the opening of the show that the University of Pennsylvania has nominated a man to be NCAA Woman of the Year. Uh, and now there's this from the College Fix. There are gender activists out there who have a problem with archaeologists using skeletons to determine if a person was male or female. Dr. Elizabeth Weiss is a professor in the anthropology department at San Jose State, and she joins us now. Elizabeth, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Um, uh, So how long have anthropologists uh, been identifying the sex of uh, long-dead humans by their skeletons? Well, I mean, um, this was one of the first things that anthropologists learned to do um, when studying skeletal remains. Initially, when we um, anthropologists and archaeologists started to look at skeletal remains, they sometimes um, mistook female skeletons for males because they were so strong and robust bones. Um, because in the past, people did a lot more activity, and so they had to figure out ways to look at the skeleton and figure out who was really male and who was really female. And this happened, um, you know, a hundred years ago, starting a hundred years ago or so. And um, anthropologists, uh, including archaeologists and forensic anthropologists, are extremely good at looking at the skull and the pelvis to determine whether somebody had been a male or female. Okay, and and how popular is this notion uh, that I mentioned at the beginning here uh, among academics that... um, Maybe it's time to stop using, uh, not stop making that determination based on a skeleton. I think that this is a growing notion that is coupled with um, a lot of the other woke ideologies, such as you know we shouldn't be determining the um, ethnicity or race of a skeleton is right along the lines of that. Um, the problem is when we start to do these things, we take a step back and we're losing progress. And this, it might seem that it's pedantic when an archaeologist decides to n- not accept the terms male and female for a skeleton, but it's not pedantic when you realize that archaeologists 
train forensic anthropologists, and the forensic anthropologists are not willing to determine the sex of a victim, this hurts the victims and their families. So it's an academic question, but it's also really an applied question as well. So it's, ha- it's, it's, it's happening in modern times. You're talking about solving crimes, for example. Correct, yes. Yeah. So basically, um, most forensic anthropologists who are the ones who solve crimes when, it, when the remains are only skeletalized, right? So like think about the shows, um, like Forensic Files, right? Um, they are trained by anthropologists, by archaeologists. So this coming up um, fall semester, for example, I will be teaching forensic osteology. Although I deal mainly with skeletal remains from thousands of years ago, I'm one of the people who will train the next forensic anthropologist. So if we take this away, this identification of um, sex from archaeology, it has a trickle-down effect that affects people in their real lives. Yeah, and um, you told the college fix that this amounts to, quote, ideologically motivated funding. Fudging, I guess it was. Yes. Yeah, fudging, not funding. Se- seems yes. like there's a lot of that going around on college campuses these days. Absolutely, and anthropology is full of that. Um, some of the other problems that I've um, come across is a, a real, I would say, almost an anti-woman um, agenda in some of this woke ideology. For example, uh, when I was trying to access skeletal remains that the university had decided that I shouldn't have access to because of my lawsuit, um, one of the changes in protocol to handle remains that the university put in place was that menstruating personnel should not be allowed to handle remains. Wait a minute. So not even menstruating women, <laughs> menstruating personnel should not be ha- allowed to handle skeletal remains. And I fought it back against that and said that this is a clear violation of sex discrimination. Wait, I'm not getting this. Uh, let's just go with menstruating personnel for now. Yeah. What does, a, what does that have to do with whether they should have access to this stuff? Um, well, there... The uh, concept is that the Native Americans um, think that menstruating personnel are unclean. And since it is Native Americans who are saying this, then they should be, their ideology should be accepted. We would not accept this from, you know, a white Christian, of course. But um, basically, it's a part of the woke ideology that who says something matters more than what is being said because it is a minority group that says it that matters more than whether that is true or not this is very confusing to me uh the, the is that the, is when they say menstruating personnel do they mean personnel who are menstruating at the time yes or pe- or, or who yes. they are so yes. It's, it, so they basically are, want, we're hoping to be able to get women's um, cycles to know whether they should, could be in the facility where skeletal collections are kept. Um, and, and this is actually happening on a college campus somewhere? It, actually, they wanted to put it into place at my own university, San Jose State University, and they wrote it up in the protocols, and I challenged them, and I said, this is sex discrimination. They took it off. But there are field schools, archaeological field schools, where when a student, uh, you know, I have to think of a a field school that has, they're training the archaeologist. When a student, female student, has a period, she cannot engage in the work because she's considered un- um, unclean. He? And this happens even in places like um, UC Berkeley, where it, you would expect them to stick up for women's rights. You just said if he's having his period. Is oh, that... I said she. Oh, I'm sorry. I, sorry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, uh, I'm guess, not going there. <laughs> you no, know, it's very confusing these days. Yes, it um, is. Yeah. So, uh, and we're talking to Dr. Elizabeth Weiss. She's a professor in the anthropology department of San Jose State. We'll get to your lawsuit in a minute, uh, Elizabeth, okay. because that's interesting too. But um, this is this is some from someone named Jennifer Raff. Uh, she's a professor at the University of Kansas. Okay, uh, she's talking about this. Is this, I'll just read it. 
this is a quote. There are no neat divisions between physically uh, or genetically male or female individuals. She says scientists can't know the gender of a 9,000-year-old biologically Peruvian hunter because they don't know whether the hunter identified as male or female. And she says it's a duality concept imposed by Christian colonizers. So is this actually being taught at the University of Kansas that that a Peruvian punter, a punter, hunter, maybe a punter, a hunter from 9,000 years ago may have actually identified as a woman. We, since we don't know that, we got to give them the benefit of the doubt. I would not be surprised if this is being taught in the classrooms. Um, Jennifer Ass is a professor there. Um, this is from her book, so I wouldn't know why she wouldn't also bring it into her classrooms, just like I bring my material into my classroom. I think there's a real, uh, a real ideology that uh, that's being forced into archaeology. And just because a skeleton that is a female is buried with artifacts, like, let's say, a sewing needle, um, that doesn't mean that that's a male, because some males are tailors. And so artifacts are cultural, they have a lot more fluidity with culture. So, like, if you think about a sewing, you can think of a seamstress or a tailor. So whether it's male or female, you look at the skeleton, not the artifacts. But at this point, 9,000 years later, who cares what he identified as? <laughs> I, can, I can be pretty sure that if it was a male, he would have identified as a male. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they weren't teaching this stuff in, in Peruvian universities 9,000 years ago, I'm guessing. No, and although I'm sure that there, were always, there was always uh, you know, a small percentage of individuals who didn't fit the neat binary right. male-female, that must have been a minuscule percentage. Otherwise, we wouldn't have so many people in the world today. We would have uh, gone extinct if we couldn't figure out who to sleep with. Yeah, th- this is very... It's, it's, I'm trying to picture myself as a... Uh, and it's a long time ago that I was a college freshman, but being a freshman in college, or maybe even uh, a, a year or two beyond that, where you've made the decision that you're going to major in um, geology or anthropology, and you go into a class and you hear a teacher say this, that this Peruvian hunter, you can't necessarily um, declare him a, a male because you don't know what he identified as. Our kids and uh, uh, our freshmen and sophomores in college now ideologically prepared for this because they've been um, brainwashed about the whole gender insanity so that they accept this? Because, you know, if you said this 20 years ago, they would have come in and put a net over the teacher and taken her or him away and said, okay, you're insane. I think they are prepared to accept this, uh, these falsehoods because I think what you have to think about is that the teachers in the high schools and the junior high and in the elementary school were, went through the college system. And so that's one of the reasons why it's important to get things right in academia, because it's not just a ivory tower that affects nothing, it affects everything. So you have to think that, uh, you know, all these jobs like teachers, um, you know, human resources, uh, you know, uh, um, scientists, doctors, all these different jobs, they go through academia first, and so... This, they then bring it out into their workplace. And so I suspect that many of the students who are coming in now have already been kind of indoctrinated mm-hmm. to this kind of ideology. Talking to Dr. Elizabeth Weiss, uh, and she's a professor in the anthropology department at San Jose State. So you uh, are on a campus, you're a professor, you're in the culture, you're exposed to it daily. Yes. Um, are, if, if I'm a, if I, well, I'll just say, let's say I send my son or grandson off to college and he comes back and tells me that this is what he's learning in, in his anthropology class. Um, what's the response to someone who doesn't automatically accept it? I'm talking about a student. Are they allowed to push back on this? 
in a class? Are they allowed to, or are they immediately shouted down and told that you know to just shut up and we'll tell you how this stuff works? I think there's a wide response. Um, I would hope that all professors um, allow students to question them. Um, you know, one of the things that my position has been that um, I I teach my perspective. I show students that there are other perspectives, and I hope that they come to make up their own minds. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when it's stuff about facts, like uh, looking at the pelvic bone of a skeleton and determining uh, male or female, then it's not about opinion, it's about facts. But I think that um, there's going to be professors who are more tolerant of uh, student diverse opinions and those who are less. And I've known of some students who have said, you know, I was doing fine in the class until I questioned this, and then all of a sudden, you know, my grades dropped. Yeah. My perspective always is that I grade students on facts, not opinions. And even though we can have a discussion about opinions, when the test comes out, they better know what a femur is and not name it a shinbo, right? (laughs) So I encourage debate, and I I want the different opinions because I think it's important that they think through these things, but that they also know that not everything is opinion, that there are facts. Mm -hmm. I have a couple minutes left here. Uh, So... You filed a lawsuit against San Jose State because you pushed back a little bit. Can you explain what happened there? Yeah, so um, the lawsuit is still ongoing. Uh, basically, I'm, I study skeletal remains of Native Americans mainly, past peoples, and I'm against the reburial of these remains. Um, I've written about this in my book, Repatriation and Erasing the Past, and about the problems of... Uh, reburying skeletal remains and the ideo- ideologies that are surrounding it. And because that book got, uh, was almost banned, um, with a open letter against it of a thousand, um, with a thousand people signing it, academics, um, including half of my department, um, I, um, the university started First, small retaliations against me, and those led up to larger retaliations against me. Uh, eventually, literally changing the locks on the curation doors to keep me out of skeletal collections. Wow, and you were accused, of course, of being a racist, correct? Yes. Now, that's yes. always going to be you. So what, why, why were you considered a racist by these people? Um, you know, I think this is a word that <laughs> when you have no other argument, that's what you call people. Right. Um, part of it is because I say that I'm placing uh, white science over indigenous knowledge. Well, we all know that there's no such thing as white science. There's science. And whether you are a Native American, a black person, a white person, an Asian, facts are the facts. And so if somebody who is a minority group comes and denies those facts, I'm not unwilling to point out that they are wrong. And uh, that's not good on a college campus anymore. Absolutely. So how, how I have about a minute left. How, how does that, how, how do you, how, it must be hard to work in that kind of a, an atmosphere. You know, I think that one of the things that I do have Quite a lot of people who send their support, their emails, and have students who have uh, expressed to me that um, that they're thankful for my speaking out. Um, I've had uh, former students say um, reach out to me and express their support. Unfortunately, some people have sent me emails saying, you know, I support you, but I'm too scared to speak out, and thank you for speaking out. And that's why I have to continue to speak out, because as long as there are people who are scared to do so, then you know that the culture is in, in disarray, mm-hmm. that you're, you have people who have an opinion, a valid opinion, and yet they are scared to speak out. Well, uh, Elizabeth, I'm out of time. What I'm going to do, I'm going to have I was a man carved into my forehead. 
<laughs> uh, so what, so 9,000 years from now, when they dig me up, they're going to know that I was a man. Do you think that'll work <laughs> yeah. for me? Uh, it should. <laughs> Thank you very much for being on the Thank show. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Elizabeth uh, Weissen. We will be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Fractures are starting to appear in President Biden's support among Democrats in the Senate. With the president's approval ratings hovering in the low 30s, support among Democrats is waning. One Democrat senator who requested anonymity told The Hill support for the president is growing weaker in the Senate, citing a New York Times-Siena College survey showing the vast majority, 94% of Democrats under the age of 30, are hoping the party selects another candidate in 2024, One progressive group, Roots Action, is gathering signatures in a campaign to try and prevent the president from running. Bob Agner reporting. Quick help for suicidal thoughts and other mental health emergencies as easy as 988. The United States' first nationwide three-digit mental health crisis hotline has gone on live. It will connect callers with mental health counselors. On Wall Street, the Dow is down 105 points. This is SRN News. Hey trader, listen up. The markets have changed. Have you changed your trading strategies? Vantage Point can help you conquer volatility. Learn to trade with artificial intelligence. Text the word money to 813-813 and discover how to predict stock market trends one to three days in advance with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. No matter which way the market moves, Vantage Point's patented AI can give you a massive edge. Text money to 813-813 to get what you need to stay ahead of markets and find your best entries and exits. Text the word money to 813-813. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. By texting, you agree to the terms available at vantagepointsoftware.com slash terms and consent to receive calls and texts using automated technology about offers or info by or on behalf of VantagePoint. Your consent is not a condition to purchase and can be revoked at any time. Message and data rates may apply. Text money to 813-813. AM 1250, The Answer. Hugh Hewitt. The Hugh Hewitt Show. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt on the next Hugh Hewitt Show. It's summertime. That means it's time for a Scott Harvest novel. And Rising Tiger is just that. The thriller you've been waiting for to take to the beach with you. And it's about our friends in China and our very good friends in India. It's just great. Techno, but also espionage and a reality check on the world. Brad Thor on the next Hugh Hewitt Show. Hugh Hewitt. Weekday mornings at 6. Right before Mike Gallagher at 9 on AM 1250. The answer. Meet Brad. Brad's hard at work, or at least his website is. Ever since he added live chat with Salem Surround, Brad's customers are getting their questions answered 24-7. Website purchases have gone up 35%, and they're over three times more likely to buy from him again. No bots, just real people helping real people. Live chat. One of the easiest, most affordable ways Salem Surround can increase your business while you do other things, or nothing at all. Ask us how at surroundpittsburgh.com. MyPillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. This is John Stoggerwald. We've all helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. The Percale bedsheet set is available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they're all on sale. For example, the queen size is regularly priced at $89.98, but now it's only $39.98 with our listener promo code. Order now because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale sheets are breathable and have a cold, crisp feel. These come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-716-8087, use the promo code STAG, or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code STAG. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5, The Answer, WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on The Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in iHeart or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Looks really busy still along the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Westbound between Pittsburgh and Roeville and Unity Trestle Road. Looks like some very heavy delays there. Meanwhile, on the Parkway East, 
busy on the outbound side from Bates Street up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. The usual volume there. Stacked up now Parkway West inbound. Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel close to a 10-minute delay. Outbound 28 heavy from Route 8 to Delafield Avenue. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Mostly cloudy skies expected for tonight. It will be humid with a nighttime low of 67. Sunshine, patchy clouds tomorrow. Tomorrow will reach a high of 86. Tomorrow night, mainly clear skies and humid with a low of 68. As we look to Wednesday, we'll see partly sunny skies. It will be warm and humid. We'll reach a high Wednesday of 88. With your Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. I don't know about you, but um, I don't spend a lot of time um, thinking about Sri Lanka. But uh, something happened there recently that should get the attention of every Democrat in Washington, if not everybody on the planet. Uh, it got the attention of Helen Raleigh, senior contributor at The Federalist, and she's here to tell us why. Helen, thanks for coming back on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So uh, we saw the riots last week, and the president was um, run out of the country, the Sri Lankan president. What's the lesson for American liberals there? Well, when people are hungry, there's going to be riots and demanding for regime change. That's really the lesson. So what happened in Sri Lanka was that the Sri Lanka government was convinced by Western uh, green revolutionists that they need to adopt the climate change initiatives. So one of one thing they did was they banned fertilizer, synthetic fertilizer and the pesticides for farming. And the president of the country ordered the two million farmers to go organic last year. And the, the result was disastrous. The country used to be self-sufficient in rice production. And now the country had to import rice. The, their own production dropped more than 50%. And rice was a staple food for, for people there. Um, it's also a agriculture exporting. Uh, it's also a country relied on ag- agriculture exports to bring in foreign reserves, foreign currencies. And because lack of a pesticide and um, fertilizer, the country's um, tea production and rubber production also dropped. So the, the country's um, foreign reserve dropped as well. The people there were hunger. There's this widespread hunger, and people are basically living in misery. So, so what is um, synthetic fertilizer, and, and why do environment uh, extremists hate it so much? So synthetic fertilizer, obviously, is different, differentiated from like a natural, you know, natural fertilizer like the uh, compost. So synthetic fertilizer was invented in 1970s. It mainly come from a, a chemical. Actually, 80% of synthetic uh, fertilizers came from uh, natural gas. So really, it's the energy, the food, that's where the connection is. Mm-hmm. And because of the synthetic uh, fertilizer, it's increased the uh, agriculture production worldwide, the output. That's why... We were able, we, the farmers today are able to feed close to 8 billion people in the world when the farming land is actually shrinking. It's all thanks to the synthetic fertilizer. So it's one of the best uh, scientific inventions in human history. And the Sri Lankan, uh, Sri Lankan government ordered the farmers to go organic, knowing all this, that, that the... Synthetic fertilizer is what gave them their rice crop that was, I guess, their economy is based on their uh, rice production. Somebody in the government decided that this was going to save the planet. And and how did they think that this was not going to affect the people's ability to find something to eat? They didn't just come, the government didn't just dream up about going organic. They were convinced by Western liberals, such as the uh, Rockefeller Foundation and the, the, you know, the World Economic Forum. They basically convinced the small, poor countries like Sri Lanka's government say, hey, you know, organic farm will give you, you know, comparable output or even better, and it will be more sustainable for the environment. So, Sri Lanka government bought into those lies, and they decided to go all organic. 
guess what? Before this whole disaster, Sri Lanka actually received the highest ESG scores of 98, almost perfect uh, ESG scores, much higher than the United States. So this move was welcomed by the Western green revolutionists, but it's brought disasters. So people uh, in Sri Lanka, um, I guess they're supposed to not feel bad about going hungry when they see that their government has been awarded uh, a high number uh, from the environmentalists that shows they're doing a good job, even though people are starving to death. Well, people, well, you don't talk about people in Sri Lanka. They don't really care about the ESG scores. They care Obviously. about, you know, whether, whether they're going to be able to feed their families. They yeah. care about, you know, how, how much they have to pay for, for rice and how much, you know, uh, foreign currency they can bring in to help fix the broken infrastructure. The people there are really suffering. Is this a classic example of uh, government bureaucrats who know nothing about a business, uh, thinking they can dictate to people who have been in that business all their lives about what's best for them? It's a part of it, but I, I really believe the blame Besides blame the government for not knowing what they're doing and trying to dictate people's lives. But really, I think a, a lot of the blame should be bared by, should be borne by, you know, Western liberals who promote their cultish, like this um, devotion to green revolution and declare war on fossil fuels. You know, we are, you know, even here, you know, we're, we're seeing the Dutch farmers are going protesting right. of the green policy. We're seeing even in wealthy countries. Like the Germans are, Germans have to have to turn off the heat, uh, to turn off the AC in this hot uh, heat weather because they're they are facing energy shortage, and we are starting to suffer too. Not as bad as in Sri Lanka, but it's coming for all of us. And mm-hmm. it really, it's it's this cultish devotion in the West for a climate in, in the name of climate change, declare war on fossil fuel while being ignorant and arrogant about how energy is really life, energy is prosperity. When you declare war on energy, when there's no viable way to make renewables just as affordable and widely available to other people, you're causing miseries everywhere. And I think that's really the lesson we need to learn. And we need to change our policies because our energy policy not only make our people suffering, but it's spread to other countries which have much less ability to absorb the economic shock. Would would this be, um, is the Sri Lankan government uh, kind of doing to rice production what Joe Biden has done to oil production in, in the United States? That just, um, and, and that, and you talked about this, the, the, uh, the ideolo- ideolo- ideology of the, the green movement, um, and it's almost to the point where and here in the United States, you're supposed to shut up about the high gas prices and put up with the high cost of everything as a result of those prices because you're supposed to buy into the whole idea that you're saving the planet. And so they expected the Sri Lankan people to do the same thing, even though they're finding out they can't eat. Right. And I, I think what we should learn from the Sri Lanka is that the, the, um, this, this green movement is a, fa- is a failure and it brings nothing but the misery and uh, this, you know, instability around the world. So right now in the West, like I mentioned earlier, we're not suffering as bad as people in Sri Lanka, mm-hmm. but we should it'll be a wake-up call that we should demand the policy change, especially energy policy change. Otherwise, what happened in Sri Lanka is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, look at what's happening in Germany, what's happening in Holland. You know, we should really waking up, demand a change of our energy policies and do not cancel fossil fuel. Otherwise, Sri Lanka today is going to be us tomorrow. Well, I guess, I think, uh, and we're, we're talking to Helen Raleigh. She's a senior contri- contributor at The Federalist, and uh, you can find her uh, column here uh, at thefederalist.com. Um it seems pretty obvious that the people of Sri Lanka have uh, shown their disapproval of this and have stood up against it. And there was total chaos mm-hmm. and the president was run out of the country. So um, uh, there's a lesson there, too, isn't there, that everybody has a point where they, they, uh, they just aren't going to take it anymore. Right. And I mentioned in my article that, uh, you know, historically, 
you know, from ancient Rome to today's Sri Lanka, you know, if you look at it, if you uh, are a student of history, you'll learn that um, revolution always erupts and the regimes fell when people are hungry. Mm-hmm. So when people cannot feed themselves, starvation will drive people to do crazy things. So we can look at it. We in the West can look at what's happening in Sri Lanka, what's happening in Holland right now, what's, got, what's happening in Germany right now, and take that as a wake-up call that we should not keep going down this wrong-headed energy policy, you know, this path. We, we should re- reverse our policy because it brings nothing but misery and instability. And we've heard quite a bit about a possible food shortage coming up here. Um, would that be the last straw here, do you think, Helen? Would that be uh, something that would actually get people to uh, maybe change their mind, some of the, uh, the hardcore greenies? I don't know. I really hope we don't have to go there because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I came from China. I lived through food shortages before. I had never imagined that I would have to live it again in the United States. So I really pray we don't have to go there. I hope that the people will wake up from other countries, you know, learn from other countries' misery and, you know, start demanding change now so we don't have to suffer like that. And it's really not fun to have to suffer food shortages. Are enough people aware, do you think, of the connection right now? And I'm talking not just about the average person, but people in power. Uh, are they aware of the connection between energy and food supply? Uh, or are they aware and they don't care and they think that it, that's a good, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fair price to pay if it means we're going to uh, correct the, uh, the climate change and save the planet? Well, unfortunately, for the people in charge right now, on the left, I don't think they I don't think they show any awareness, and I think I think they are ready to they are ready to declare this is the right price to pay for climate change. And but I but I also know that they are so out of touch with the general public. You know, fortunately, we have a midterm elections coming, so I hope the general public will take this. Uh, Opportunity, you know, election is really a referendum, right? Our chance to re- referendum hold the leaders accountable. So we see what's happening with the the failed energy policies and the, the midterm election. Should it be our chance to demand change through a democratic form? And you point out in your piece that uh, much of this is helping Russia, the the country that we're all supposed to be standing up against and and trying to hurt as much as we can. Not just Russia, but also China. Think think about the. the you know, the, the, the solar panel, the ship that you uh, depend everything on sol- solar panel, the wind, and the electric, electrical vehicles, you know, all the governments. Uh, these, these are all components of the Biden administration's, uh, you know, uh, climate energy, uh, climate change plan. But I think about where those parts came from. Those parts came, a majority of them came from China. And we're talking about the slave laborers and the environmental pollution and enable another um adversaries of the United States, which is, which in my view, is much more powerful than Russia. The Russia's economy is only as big as South Korea, but China's the second largest economy. So, you know, this, this whole green revolution is really enabling our adversaries like Russia and China. And what's been the reaction from the people promoting the Green New Deal? I know that's a large group of people, but uh, to all this, what's happening in Sri Lanka specifically? You wrote about it in your piece. Um, any sympathy there? Any apologies? Uh, any um, acknowledgement that they've been wrong or that this isn't a good idea? No, they'll never admit that they've been they've been wrong. You know, just like they were never admit socialism never works. They probably they're probably going to say they for now they're staying radically quiet. They just don't want to talk about it. They ignore it. For example, the word. Uh, the World Economic Forum quietly deleted the article that, you know, the written by former Sri Lanka's uh, prime minister that claimed that uh, green policies would make his country rich by 2025. So they just, so the, the greens in the West, they just stay quiet and try, pretend this, they didn't notice this doesn't happen, but don't expect any apologies from them because to them, like I said, there is a cultish devo- devotion. It, it's like a religion for them. That is, nothing will stop. Nothing will stop them going down the path to try to, you know, eliminate the fossil fuel 
and bring the whole world back to the pre-industrial revolution era. You know, if, if that means lower life, lower living standard, if that means you know, no, you know, no air conditioning, if that means a food shortage, they can all live. I mean, they are not going to suffer, but the rest of us will suffer. But they'll never apologize for that. To them, some environment, climate change is more are more important than anything else. Yeah, and um, the people who are talking a lot about what happened here on January 6th, I'm pretty sure what happened in Sri Lanka really qualifies as an insurrection, which is a, a dirty word now, but uh, that's what happens, isn't it? And you can't eat. Well, I, I don't want to equivalent to those two, but what happened in Sri Lanka is, again, it's proved historically you know, we learned this from ancient Rome and mm-hmm. to today's Sri Lanka. When people are hungry, there will be revolution and there will be, uh, re- people will demand regime change. So e- economy is everything, food is everything, and energy is related to food. Helen, I appreciate you coming on the show. I'm out of time. Uh, you can find the piece at thefederalist.com. Always good to have you. Hope to have you back. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye. Right, that's Helen Raleigh of The Federalist, and we will be right back. Today, the majority of children have already been exposed to pornography by age 11. Even though most of this is accidental, this exposure can have disastrous consequences for their mental health and future well-being. If you want to protect your child and set them up to have healthy relationships, you need Canopy. Canopy is the most effective technology on the planet for blocking pornography. Canopy's app uses artificial intelligence to identify and filter explicit content on every website. It can do this in milliseconds and is 99.9% accurate. While other apps block entire pages, Canopy is the only tool that filters within websites, plucking out explicit images and videos before they appear. Its image scanning technology also prevents users from taking and sending sexts. The Internet is awash in pornography, but your kids don't have to see it. Head on over to canopy.us forward slash protect to start your 30-day free trial. Enter the promo code PROTECT and get 15% off the regular price for life. International travel is open again. So now is the perfect time for that trip to Israel, the trip of a lifetime. A trip to the Holy Land will bring you face-to-face with one of the most fascinating countries on earth, more than just a vacation. This meaningful trip is your opportunity to enjoy the freedom to travel again. Walking the ancient streets of Jerusalem where Jesus walked, sailing the Sea of Galilee, and floating in the mineral-rich Dead Sea with its healing and rejuvenating power. Sebastian Gorka and Dinesh D'Souza, along with our trusted travel partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours, personally invite you to experience Israel with them this November. To book your trip to Israel, Log on to StandWithIsraelTour.com. That's StandWithIsraelTour.com. Then call 855-565-5519 to secure your spot. Call today, 855-565-5519. It's no secret, America. We've been let down. Inflation is taking its toll in the grocery stores, the products we buy, and the pain of every visit to the gas pump. At Upside, we're fighting back with our free app that pays you back serious money on every tank of gas or diesel, up to 25 cents per gallon, just for using the Upside app, no strings attached. Upside users have already been paid back a total of more than $250 million. With inflation and the soaring price of gas, it's easy to feel like you're losing control. But with Upside's free app, you can start putting money back in your wallet with every gallon. Whenever you want, cash out with PayPal, an e-gift card, or transfer the money directly into your bank account. Download the free Upside app and get cash back on every gallon of gas. Use promo code SALEM for an additional 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first fill-up. That's promo code S-A-L-E-M. Remember, use promo code SALEM when you download the free Upside app and get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank of gas. Cash back to the available in gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. My dog was scratching and shedding like crazy around the house. When I heard about Dynavite Nutritional Supplement, I thought, why not? Couldn't hurt. We literally tried everything else. Our dog quickly took to it 
and after a couple of weeks of adding Dynavite to his food, we noticed a big difference. Our little gizmo's coat was shinier, and he almost completely stopped shedding and itching. I'm so glad I tried Dynavite. My dog smelled so bad and scratched herself constantly. We bathed, sprayed, and bathed her again, but no results. And then I heard about Dynavite supplements for gut health, and all of the reviews sounded just like my Bella. After just two weeks, she had major improvements with the smell, and no more scratching or dragging her stomach across the carpet. And her coat is more beautiful than ever. Get 10% off your next order of Dynavite nutritional supplements for dogs at Dynavite.com. Happier, healthier with every bite. Over a million pets helped with Dynavite. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, there's an expression I find myself using a lot um, as I get older, and I've been using it for a long time. Uh, words cannot describe how glad I am to have grown up when I did. And here's, here's a headline <laughs> from the Wall Street Journal that, that brings that out in me. This is the headline. Armpit hair is back, whether you like it or not. That's uh, for women. And the writer is uh, Rory Satran. It's a woman. She says, shouldn't armpit hair for all genders embraced by celebrities, espoused by laissez-faire hippies since the 60s, be a non-issue by now? And yet, it still has the power to raise eyebrows, even as it enters the zeitgeist again. So here's the thing. Um... No, I would never deny a woman the uh, the freedom to not shave her armpits. That's fine. Go ahead. But um, if you're looking for like instant birth control, that's the way to go. You want to you want to see the population decline? Just keep growing those armpits out, ladies. You have the freedom to do it. Go ahead and do it. Um, but it says here that. Um, a growing number of female and non-binary people flaunt armpit hair. Uh, Miley Cyrus, Janelle Monet, Jemima Kirk, and Lords Leo. I don't know who any of these people are. That's because I'm old. But this model, Emily Redkowski, she, she, I guess she's doing it now. She wrote, Sometimes letting my body hair grow out is what makes me feel sexy. And appeared in lingerie she did with visible armpit hair. Here's a little tip for Emily uh, Radikowski. It can make you feel sexy, Emily. There ain't any guys out there who who are thinking you look sexy. That's okay if you don't care. But if you want to make sure that fewer guys get anywhere within 50 feet of you, keep growing that armpit hair out. You talk about wanting to puke. Anyway, I hope that's a trend that doesn't catch on. Talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.